0: Hey, how's it going? We're back. I'm back. We're all here. Just me. Anyway, (laughs) uh, today I am covering, I'm going to start covering uh, a topic that's near and dear to my heart, I guess. Um, I'm going to be talking about 3D scanning, where uh, I use it for capturing uh, existing conditions and buildings and sites and whatnot. And uh, so I just kind of go over uh, just uh, kind of overall topics types of uh, 3d scanning that's out there I cover two of them um, there may be other ones but I will uh, be bringing on an expert and I do cover it in this episode um, on a later on a later episode I'm gonna bring in an expert uh, or, you know a scanning professional and we can go dive into it even even more uh, so this is an architect's view of 3d scanning and you know, my, I wouldn't say limited experience because I've been, uh, I've been uh, using it for about two years now, but, um, you know, um, my uses as an architect, but then also, you know, kind of jump into other uses that the scanning can be applied for in other industries. So I'm going to jump right into it. So we'll get into 3D scanning right after these messages. If you've been listening, to this podcast for a while. Uh, You've probably heard me mention a number of times about 3D scanning. Uh, I use 3D scanning in most of my uh, project processes, processes, and it's really been very helpful for me. So just wanted to cover some topics here related to that. So uh, just want to start off with Actually, how I just got into using 3D scanning. So a couple years back, I had um, found some, uh, you know, looked into looked into this technology, and one of the main things that I was looking into using it for was uh, existing condition documentation and, you know, helping me capture uh, an existing building or existing conditions in a building or a site or something. So... Kind of did some research, looked into a, du- a number of different cameras and scanners, and they're very expensive for the most part, is I was finding that um, some of the ones that are around when I first started looking at it were forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars dollars and I was like, well, I can't really just buy that off the street, you know, can't go to a store and just buy that. So a couple years, I'm trying to remember what year it was. I'm going to say 2015, 16, maybe. I came across uh, Leica, which is one of the manufacturers, was coming out with a a, a product called BLK 360. And what that was was it was essentially it's not a handheld like you don't hold it in your hand, but it's basically the unit is the size like the base of the unit can fit in your hand, and it's I don't know eight inches tall maybe. Uh, not it was wasn't a very big um, um, scanner, but it was still something you put on a tripod and captured. But it was a smaller scanner than others, and also it was quote unquote more affordable uh, with a price point about twenty thousand. So it was still still a lot of money to to fork out. And then um, I'm not sure when Matterports came out, but I did come across. A Matterport camera which also is a scanning camera but it had a different different uh business model with uh, BLK and other scanning uh devices you kind of scan the data and then handle the data yourself uh to to put it together for a final final model of the scan data with Matterport is you would buy the you buy the um the camera from from the company but then you have a subscription every month so they have an app that you use when you're capturing the data and then once all the data is captured you then upload the data to their site and then they put the model that d- together for you and then you get an email a day later a couple hours later depending on bi- how big your scan is and then you have a workable a workable model but they put it in a tour format so you can basically like move around in a tour, um, very similar to like if you were like on Google Maps and you work, you were on the um, like Google Street Views and moving around on the streets. So you would have this other tour that you can move around in the the building or the area that you scanned. And then if um, because I wanted to use it for documentation of existing buildings, I needed that data to then put into my software. So they have an option where uh, there's two two options that you can actually it's just you, it's a flat fee that you buy once you have the tour of what they call Pack, which is a – there's a number of different files. They give you like this color floor plan, color ceiling plan, a number of other different kind of 3D objects or, or photo objects. Uh, but then they have basically the file – it's like an XYZ file, but it's essentially the point cloud file that you can then use to um, eventually be converted into the, a file that's read into um, the software that you're using. and then I can use it as documenting. Uh, it's like an over overlay in my drawing that I can I can draw from. So um, it was again, it, in, you know compared to the BLK at 20,000 or other other scanners that were like 40, 50, 60,000 on up, the Matterport was only about I think three thousand dollars to buy. Uh, But then, you know, the difference is, is you have a monthly subscription that you, um, you pay to every month and I pay you, you pay it whether you use it or not. So it's like, they have different plans depending on how much you're using it. Like I'm actually in a grandfathered, I'm in an older plan that's grandfathered in, but the base price is $50 a month. And then um, it covers, I think it covers three regular size scans and there's some extra charges if you get to bigger scans and, and whatnot. And then, of course, if you're buying the Matter Pack or they even have an automatic like floor plan thing that just gives you a PDF of the floor plans and gives you rough areas of it. I think that's like 15 bucks or something. I don't really use it, but I, cause I always just use the Matter Pack. That's really what, what I need for, uh, for what I use it for. So, um, so yeah. So the Matterport was a really easy, um, easy way to kind of get into this space. So I, um, you know, got that camera uh, probably at this point, I'm going to say, I think two years ago at around this time, it's, it's like the end of February in 2020 right now. And, uh, I think it was like February, March of 2018 is when I, when I got this. So again, I was using it to Scan some existing, you know, existing conditions of my own projects, and what that what that helped me too on my own process was I was able to rather than going to an existing site and measure, and usually would need a second hand uh, to help me as well, you know, with a tape measure and that is is measuring it, measuring the site or measuring the building, and then you know sketching it up on a piece of paper, and then taking the measurements and then taking a whole bunch of pictures. The funny thing is, is the camera, in some ways kind of does that. So I wanna just transition real quick or go to a little side note and just kind of cover the two main uh, types of scanning. So the first type of scanning is photogrammetry. I hope I sp- said that right. <laughs> but basically I have the I actually have the Wikipedia pages up here. So I'm just gonna kind of read this off for, um, just initially. So photogrammetry is the art, science, and technology of obtaining reliable information about physical objects and the environment through the process of recording, measuring, interpreting photographic images and patterns of electromagnetic radiant imagery and other phenomena. I'll leave it at that. So basically it's um, taking um, a picture. It can be one picture. It can be a whole bunch of pictures. And creating a 3d environment from that is, is a very easy way to kind of, I guess, uh, um, describe it. Um, there are different types of photogrammetry, you know, you have, you can get photogrammetry from, um, satellites, but you can also do close range photogrammetry. You know, if you're scanning a, um, uh, let's just say you have a, you know, you're, uh, an art piece like a, a sculpture or something you can you know get get small like that to you know large areas of you know uh, entire state using you know using a satellite so it's using the um it can it can determine um the distances and sizes by it as long as you kind of give it its baseline of what the of what the uh, the scale is so if you're if you're familiar with architectural drawings you apply a scale to the drawings to say so for example you may have like a quarter inch equals a foot so if you're looking at a drawing you have a ruler every quarter inch that you measure on that drawing is equal to a foot in real life Um, so all drawings are put to scale you know obviously if you have a you know a large house you can't you know you can't go one to one it's such a big thing so you use, you use scale for that. So in the, in the case of photogrammetry, if you can apply a scale to the image, then that translation then can give you the actual distances. Um, so, um, that's kind of the the first type of, um, scanning and just to kind of side note real quick. And actually I'll put it in the, the intro too, but the, so you probably already heard this, but just want to put in here just in case I forget, because I always do the intro later, is that um I'm going to have a, a second part to this where I actually have a um, uh, Mike Chihuahua Cho, excuse me Ch- Chihuahua from robotic imaging uh, will be coming on on another um, episode related to this. he and he is a um, he's a scanning professional. so he could he'll he'll go a little bit, you know, go much much deeper into this subject than I will. Um, but, uh, yeah, so – and sometimes the photogrammetry, actually, just to kind of finish with this, is, um, you know, in especially if you do like an area. I'm actually with the – I told you I had the Wikipedia page open here, and one of the examples is – it's showing a picture of looks like a, a Bay Area in Laguna Beach, California. And it's uh, aerial photography of this, and it's in, you know, using the photogrammetry. So something like that would be um, – would actually, in theory, be more accurate than a satellite photogrammetry, just because of the distance that's there. It's easier to to um, to translate that distance and apply and apply a scale to it. So, so photogrammetry again is um, you know taking a bunch of pictures and determining distances from that. The uh, the second kind is called lidar scanning, and what lidar does is it. Um, and it's usually called three D. La- like when you think of three D laser scanning, that's what lidar is. Lidar utilizes a laser light and determines distance from that. So, it's um, if you're if you're trying to use scanning to establish you know an actual size and all that, it's a it's a much more accurate um, type than photogrammetry. Photogrammetry kind of relies on a few additional steps, I will say, like I was saying about the scale and, and whatnot, in LiDAR, it's actually taking the actual measurements. So it's, it's you know, like like it's like it's if I was like measuring with a tape measure, the tape measure is the tape measure, it's the actual size, same thing with LiDAR. So it's kind of shooting a la- laser, and then when it returns back to the camera, it can determine distances from that. And that's something that can then be applied, you know, to any type of unit, whether it's metric or or feet and inches, etc. cetera. And you know, to go back to photogrammetry, you have to actually establish that that scale and actually that measurement system as well, in order for that to um, to work accurately. So, um, actually, I will read since I wrote read photogrammetry. I'm going to read LiDAR too. Um, LiDAR is a surveying method that measures distance to a target by illuminating the target with laser light and measuring the reflected light with a sensor. Differences in laser return times and wavelengths can then be used to make a digital 3D representation of the target. Um, and then it goes into let's see here, name LiDAR is of light detection and ranging, and it's called 3D laser scanning. And you know, um, you know, different. It starts going into different um, applications. So uh, the one thing though you know so we had the two types of scanning methods now when it comes to when i was mentioning the matterport camera blk i think a lot of them too is usually what they do is they actually combine both of them to, both of these types together so while uh, if you look at a um, a matterport camera you'll see kind of like two sets of there's actually two sets of three items on the front of the camera so you kind of have a um, a, a camera lens and you have a laser that goes forward. You have a camera lens and laser that goes up and one that goes down. So as, as the camera, when you turn the camera on and, and rotates 360 degrees, it's taking thousands of pictures in all those directions and then also shooting lasers at the same time. So basically in the process of putting everything together is it's able to um, kind of combine both of those LIDAR and photogrammetry and create the 3d space um blk and other ones do that actually a lot of the other ones what they'll have is they actually have the laser and everything in the middle like the blk actually has like a there's two parts and there's like a little gap but there's a, a laser and, and the camera and in the middle of the uh, i'm hopefully i'm explaining this pretty good but i don't know if i'm not but uh there's a mirror that actually, as the camera is rotating 360 degrees, let's say in the X direction, there is a mirror that's rotating and shooting in all di- f- different directions in the Y directions to then create the Z, the X, Y, and Z to g- create the 3D environment. And the, um, if you watch a BLK, it actually, I think it does the two, like it'll do a photogrammetry pass and then it'll do a LIDAR pass. Uh, there might, and there might be two or three other ones. And again, when Mike comes on, he can explain that a little bit better, but, um, but it's still capturing both the, the laser, the distances using utilizing the laser and then the, the imaging imagery through the photogrammetry, um, and then just dis- determining those, um, you know, di- two different distances to then create that 3d environment. So it's, um, it's a really good in terms of, again, to, um, you know, capture an existing space and there are a number of other different, um, ways to capture, like actually, actually just to go back to photogrammetry again is another way that, that you can create the space. Like I'm giving the scanning, uh, examples, but you can actually do that with, and I, I, mentioned it was you can capture, you can create a 3d space based off of just still pictures as well. So, there's some um, different uh, services out there that can create a 3D model from you know a series of pictures that you could take. Like let's say if you were taking a, a series of pictures with a drone, but they'll typically require you you to provide those pictures in a certain certain path. Like you couldn't just like take a bunch of pictures one day, upload them, and create it. You'd have to do it in a certain particular way. Um, To uh, to create that, but you can create a three D, the three D environment or a three D model from still pictures as well. Um, And again, um, you know, establishing distances and whatnot, you know, through scale or or in that can create that. So, um, kind of like a quick uh, kind of pro and pro for each one of them is um, I think that with the lidar. As I mentioned earlier, it's it's really a more accurate way to uh, measure distances, and uh, you know utilizing the laser. But then the photogrammetry, what that actually is very helpful with, is actually establishing edges. Like the um, sometimes if you look at a th- if you were actually in like a three D um, point cloud or whatnot, um, you'll have a mesh. Um, of the objects. And so it won't be clean edges. Photogrammetry is a little bit better of establishing those, those edges where it might be a little bit more squared off. Um, and one of the reasons is, is if you, especially if you have a contrast in, in a color or, you know, the contrast of like, let's say if you had like a, a, a picture from a drone and you're looking at a roof and it's black and then the sidewalk is gray, um, that contrast is able to, um, you know, can, can be used to, um, define that edge a lot better um than maybe a a lidar like a a laser would so um so that's actually uh, you know pretty you know so they they both have benefits um one of the one of the negatives i'll I'll say with um i mean i kind of said one with the the lidar in a way establishing edges but um but uh, uh, when it comes to photogrammetry you also have like if you're not establishing that scale or that unit it's not as helpful. Um, so, for example, if you had like um, you know, there's there's handheld products that are out there now, like 360 pictures and stuff like that. And if you're looking to actually have accurate, um, actual, you know, an accurate measurement of a 3D environment, you're gonna need, you know, like I just was saying with the still photos, you're gonna need to um, correctly establish those those units and distances and all that and especially if you don't have that added layer of the the laser you know it's not going to be that accurate it's going to be i mean if it was but let's say if you were i mean there's scanning is done for like utility systems like it has to have the lidar i mean you know if but if you're doing something like you know let's say you're a student and you're trying to to, to learn this or maybe even like let's say you're an architecture school and you had something like that, like that probably could be okay to use. But if it's like life safety, critical things, there's there, there's really no way with, especially with a, like a handheld device that you bring through a space. Um, you know, it's e- even like, I've seen like different apps, like measuring tools for apps, and they're just not, they're not as accurate as some of these other things. So, um, but I do think the combination of the both is definitely um, very, um, very, very helpful. Very accurate. Um, you know, there's. Uh, it's it's funny though when we're talking about accuracy, the the accuracy of of these scanners kind of come into come into uh, question a lot. Like I'm on uh, you know different forums online, and uh, the topic will come up that I I'll contribute to, and I, I find it funny because it's just like. If I was going out there again with tape measure, or or a handheld laser, and a uh, you know clipboard, and I'm writing down the notes individually, there's always this factor of human error, and so and it's always going to be not it's not going to be exact. You know, I mean, heck, I I did something, I, I did some measurements one time, and you know, in in reality, you know, you get a call from a contractor like, hey, you're a couple inches off, that type of thing. Um, and that can, that happens with, uh, the 3d scanning as well. Um, so it's like nothing is ever perfect. And usually what I do to try to kind of like combat that or, or just confirm that what I'm measuring through the scanner is, is, is accurate is I do take, I do like the LIDAR and photogrammetry together. I will also do some handheld stuff. Like I'll take some measurements of a of a space like i might not necessarily take measurements of all the spaces in in a scan especially bigger ones but like if i'm scanning somebody's like a house for a house renovation and i actually have a youtube video up that shows kind of like what you do with the scan data and the um is i'll take some hard measurements you know whether it's through uh A tape measure or or even a hand I have a handheld laser too just to confirm that with the measurements I'm getting from the point cloud once I have it in my software is uh accurate to what I measured in the field so that helps with establishing even though the scale is already established um in the 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 data that I have um it still is um you know a good way to uh confirm what's there uh for real so I'll be right back um let me just take a quick break all right so now I covered the types of scanning or types of scanners I I guess the the next thing is to um, talk about what well what do you, what do I do with with this data so I mentioned you know I've already mentioned it's like I take you know the main reason I'm doing this is to capture existing conditions so then I take the data put it into the software and then really I draw it as um it's like an overlay that i can draw from so the nice thing is the 3d data is what is called a point cloud and i always explain to people that what a point cloud is is if you take like if you had a computer image you know of a you know picture or whatever and you zoomed in on it on your computer or your phone and you know you start seeing pixels of what that of what that image is that's really what the point cloud is but in three dimensions so when you zoom in on a point cloud you see all those points and when you do a scan you can make you, you can have set there's can be settings on certain scanners uh, I don't think Matterport I don't believe has it but other scanners you can set how dense you want that point cloud to be um, and that depends on, you know, how accurate you need, you need certain things, you know, f- for whatever the task is that you're, you're um, utilizing the point cloud for. So, um, you know, so in my case as, as an architect, I'll take that point cloud, put it in the software, and then all those points, when I zoom in, I can determine, uh, you know, so like if I'm looking at a, an overhead view, I can see the, you know, the edge of the wall versus the floor you know, or, or where there's a door located or a window located. And so I can actually kind of snap to those areas. So it's very easy for me to, you know, draw a straight wall, you know, based off of the edge that I see in that point cloud, you know, I basically click on the point and, you know, take it across and I can click on another point, you know, further down in the wall. And then the same thing when I'm placing windows and doors, placing floors and the nice thing, you know, it's three dimensions, especially on a, you know, I can cut, I can cut through the uh, the point clouds so I can see you know heights of you know from floor to floor, uh, determine help determining um, you know stair risers and railing heights and you know anything that's in a building it's all established there. One of the first scans I did actually this is a great example. It was of an abandoned house, and in that house the I was up in the attic so. I was able to capture the the slope of the roof from under, from the underside of the roof on the, at, in the attic. So when I took it back, when you looked at the house, it was a pretty simple like roof. There was like um, kind of an, an, you know, I'll just call it a frame, but you know, the double slope roof going in one direction, two slopes coming in in the opposite direction they were hitting. And, you know, from the naked eye, it looked like it was the, you know, they were the same slopes, you know, of everything connecting. So, if I would have done that by hand, I would have measured measured, you know, the the roof and established, okay, this is a, you know, whatever the slope is, and I would have said both were the same slope and called it a day because I could see that the bearing of the roof was at the same level, you know, it was basically at the floor of the attic. Um, but when I went and that's exactly how I started uh, drawing it up. But when I drawed up the drew up the one and drew up the other, they didn't hit correctly like one was higher than the other but it needed to be lower and you know I guess in some ways you know with the in the old way quote unquote like I would have had to go back and maybe confirm some measurements and whatnot because and you know I mean the simple the simple answer was oh well the one slope is is not as high as the other one You know, because like I said, the one was kind of modeled and drawn and was actually higher, which wasn't what it really was in the in the the actual uh, house. So, I would have had to go back, maybe confirm some uh, confirm some measurements and and get it that way. But with the scan, I was able to kind of look at that, take a slice, and because everything the environment I'm working in is in three D, I was able to slice, and I was like, realized I was like, oh, well, actually, I was able to find that that different slope. Um, through the point cloud and was able to quickly make the adjustment. And, you know, rather than taking another trip out to it. And even the the situation was this house was actually just a block away from my office. So for me to walk down there wasn't a tough thing to do, but, um, but still it would have taken, let's say, you know, a half hour, to go up there, take the measurements, walk back to the office, and then go from there. Here, everything was right there in front of me, and I was able to update it. And a few minutes later, I had, you know, I had everything working correctly and I was able to move on. So by the time it took me to probably walk down to that place and actually maybe start doing the measurements, I already have it, have it redrawn, um, utilizing the point cloud. So um, I use that for, uh, uh, you know, again, for capturing existing conditions and, you know, drawing everything up and usually um, and sometimes on some of the projects, like I'm actually working on one right now where we it, it's essentially well, no, there is an addition on the back, but in the front of the house, a front of the building, this is a mixed use. There's like commercial on the first floor and a couple apartments upstairs. The client, it, it's an older building, older. Uh, it's actually two buildings in uh, Philadelphia. And. The facade's kind of old, so my client is telling me that they want to take down the the front facade. You know, save some of the, you know, save most of the structure of the building, but take down the front facade. And then it ends up that the buildings to the left and the buildings to the right have this kind of um, design in their facade where it gets up to a certain height, and then there's a little shelf, and so it steps back. It's a, a brick brick facade on both sides. Let's say about 12 feet up off of the sidewalk. So they want to match that. So then you kind of have this consistent look going down the street. So when we did the um, the scan, actually Mike from Robotic Imaging helped me with the scan, and we were able to um, go, you know, go out, you know, scan outside. Is we were able to capture both of those buildings to the left and right. And now that I'm starting to do, I've completed drawing up all the existing conditions but now as i'm doing the new design when i'm i'm setting up the uh, the new facade is i have that that uh, information to the left and right and i'm able to actually establish the new design to be at that same height so then it'll match um going across you know going across the whole way so it's it's you it can be utilized in the uh, the newer part too so and um one of the one actually one of the things that ended up happening from um, uh, that same scan, and this will go into in a little bit more, is I was able to take some of the scan data and I was Im- immediately I just took the raw data file and realized, I was like, oh, this actual data file is, this, is the same type of format that can work in a 3D printer. So I was actually able to 3D print the entire scan, which was like, I don't know, a half a city block. And we did that on a Friday and on Monday, I 3D printed like a 4-inch a by 4-inch quote-unquote site of of that, you know, an actual object. I'm actually looking at the right here here on my desk. Um, but it's like in it, a capture, you can look at it even at 4 inches by 4 inches of an entire block. I can see indentations in the print of where the windows are. Uh, there's some chimneys that are sticking out. There's like a little – there's actually a duck on the end, um, the end uh, unit. A building where i think it was a a, a, a restaurant or something so it's like a, a grease exhaust or whatever grease trap uh i forget what they're called but the exhaust the exhaust systems that you know restaurants uh, kitchens have you know but it's off coming off the side of the thing and i can see it in the print and i didn't have to do i didn't do anything extra besides just take that file and put it in the 3d printer and, and print it away um, so uh, that's an, actually a good example too of um, when I was talking about scaling with photo, photogrammetry. That actual file was from was done with uh, a drone who just just took the uh, took the pictures. So the scale was never established with that. So I took that same scan file and I put it into the um, Revit, which is the drawing software I have. And one thing I did fi- I come to discover was that. I, I put it in there and I had um, I started drawing up the the perimeter of the building that where this project going to be. I then got the actual survey um, drawings of the site from the client, which a land surveyor went out and established the property lines. I put that in I drew it and I was like, well, th- this doesn't fit. Like the building was like much bigger, not much bigger, but it was it was off from what it really was like it was saying oh well, it's 18 feet wide by you know let's say 100 feet deep and what i did from the scan date i was like well this is like 16 feet wide by 75 feet deep or the other way around you know like 22 feet wide and something bigger so i was like oh what's going on here and i go into the revit and they have like you click on the the point cloud object And you can go into the properties and it says scale. So it should be, in theory, scale should say one. It should be one to one, whatever. Because if I'm drawing something and it's 20 feet, the point cloud should also be 20 feet. Well, the scale data said like 3.4 something or other. And I come to find out that if the the scale is not established in the native file, that the Revit software automatically thinks it's metric and you want to convert it into feet. And that's what the 3.4 is. So it's like it was off, uh, but again, it wasn't established. That photogrammetry file was not established for scale. Now, Mike, who provided it to me, he can he can go in and, and establish that scale and then send it back to me, and then it, it would be corrected. But that one was a quick thing. Like I said, it worked for 3D printing because I d- I didn't have to have like an architectural model. That was too specific scale. I was just taking the the object and putting it in there. But I came to learn that it wasn't established there in a working environment. Now, he also did a LiDAR scan where we're using uh, the BLK uh, device that I was explaining earlier, and that one comes in and it was perfect. Like I said, I had the 18 feet wide for the the um, the lot. I put that I, that was already established by the time I got the LiDAR scan data. Put it in. It was 18 feet wide. No, nope, not a problem. Excuse me. So that was There's there actually a very good example of um, when I was comparing the two, the two types of scanning earlier, of um, where there can be some actual issues or you know actual applications of, of using both of those types. So you know that that's really where um, I use it as an architect. Um, but there are other applications that you can use both of them, both both types for or you know the combination of both. Um, Photogrammetry is used a lot for uh, like special effects in movies. So if you have, um, you know, like a, a Marvel movie, you know, the Avengers are fighting aliens in New York City, and New York City is getting blown up, you know, from that fight because the Hulk is throwing cars and Iron Man's blowing stuff up, and etc. Um, they'll use photogrammetry to uh, kind of create that basis for special effects, and then you know, obviously add those the actual special effects on, you know, kind of layered on top of it, Um, you know, but then there's, uh, I mentioned earlier too, like, you know, scanning for, uh, you know, art pieces, Um, it it can be used for um, uh, different, like insurance reasons, you know, you can use it for, um, you know, like a car accident, could be you know thing or even claims on like let's say you know a tornado or a hurricane or something comes through you can capture um you know damage that was done by uh you know by a tree falling or something on on a car or or house or some type you know other object or something but um so it can be used there uh real estate real estate uh, professionals it's really big like matterport is like that's their big thing those tours they actually have a whole system like besides just i was mentioning how you can buy you know, the, the matter pack and things like that. But you can also, um, you know, for real estate agents, you can take those tours and you can going to put them on their real estate listings. Um, so that's really, um, helpful for them because, uh, you know, it's essentially, it's like a 24 hour open house for them. Um, where if it's on the listing, it's much better than static pictures. I, in my opinion, um, I don't understand why, uh, real estate agents take like pictures of like the toilet. But you see that all the time for some reason. Um, but the uh, but the virtual tours can be uh, used for that, you know, residential and commercial. Uh, we actually have uh, capabilities here with with me working with Mike and his company, where um, not only can it be done for. Um, you know, for moving around in a house, but we can also do it where you can virtual, we can have a virtual tour where you move around an entire site. Like, in, like I know of, um, and there's a commercial agent I need to get in touch with, but he has a listing for like a 200 some acre uh, golf course, you know, so we could go out there with, um, drones and, and do some scanning there and then actually capture that and then have a virtual tour. Like you can do like a, you know, a drone video moving around in that, but this could actually be a more interactive, um, Uh, tour where people you know somebody who might be interested in buying that that golf course could actually move around uh, and get a much i mean you could do like for example a golf course you could you know go onto google maps probably and and move around and see stuff like that but this could potentially get you even like closer if um if you needed to you know like actually you could virtually like walk um you could virtually walk like the each each golf hole you know each, each you know, each whole of, 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 the entire course. Um, you know, so there's, there's plenty of, plenty of applications for this besides, um, you know, what I use it for, um, you know, archeology span is another example. Um, actually robotic imaging, they do a lot of work with, uh, mining operations. So they do like, uh, uh scanning different, um, you know, not piles of dirt, but you know, it, it kind of, um, I think they're, what are they? and And Mike can again, he'll, he'll he can go more detail about it, but um you know, quantities of material being moved, whether they're moved offsite or added from from somewhere else. Uh, it's a, there's, there's a ton of applications why and that's you know another reason why I, I'm just really excited about and really into uh, this technology. I think this is a uh, you know, it's a very it's you know something to stay. that's that's for sure it's um you know and, and really for me it really um supports the 3d modeling aspect of of the work it just it just made sense for me to get in uh, to get into this uh it's a you know it's it's a big time saver for me because um also with the you know when i go out you know it's just me and the camera now for the most part some of these bigger things like i was mentioning mike he'd and his guys, uh, you know, they, they've been helping me with some of the bigger stuff. Or the lot, la- this example I just gave you, actually, the 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 stairs were not in good shape. So actually, when when it came to Matterport, uh, Matterport kind of has to build the model as you scan uh, the BLK. is actually a little bit more independent uh, from scan to scan. You actually manually will build that later. Uh, so. The Matterport needs to—it's looking at previous geometry, so you have to do it in a certain order. And when it comes to stairs and floor to floor, you need that to be stable, and that wasn't—that wasn't the case in um, in this building. We—I mean, we were—you couldn't really like—you uh, couldn't put a tripod on these stairs and have it stable, and everything would have fell over. So um, it also um, just to kind of compare the BLK versus the the Matterport is also the BLK has a much greater reach. So I always say the Matterport has a, a reach of, like, let's say 10 feet by 10 feet on every scan. BLKs have a, a reach of 100 feet by 100 feet. Um, and then also 10 feet up or or 100 feet up as well. So um, BLK is greater for, you know, bigger open spaces like a warehouse or a theater or something – Versus uh, Matterport is very good for, for residential. I will say that, you know, for the most part, you know, I was mentioning the real estate listings and all that. It's perfect for it. There's no real necessarily benefit. Um, you know, over a BLK. Okay. The only, the only thing on a, a residential one is the Matterport is limited that it's only interior. You can sometimes do exterior, but it has to be at like whether it's a overcast day or, um, you know, at at sunrise or sunset, uh, it's, uh, the, the lasers that's used does not, does not work well with sun sunlight and direct sunlight, especially. I mean, even if you have direct sunlight coming into through a window, like I have scans where it's just completely black, wherever the sunlight was. So BLK can go out and other, other scanners can go outside as well. So you get a greater reach with them. Um, and again, another reason why it's, uh, you know, a higher. You know, cost more, as well. So, um, I could keep going on and on, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, stop here. And like I said, that um, I want, I'm gonna do a second one at least with uh, Mike from uh, Robotic Imaging, and uh, here in the new f- near future, and he can really talk um, a little bit more intelligently about the scanning and uh, you know what he sees as a professional. Um, you know, that specializes in, in the scanning, you know, rather than me being an architect, just kind of using it as a, uh, you know, I a, it's helping me in my whole process. So um, hopefully I didn't ramble too much, um, but uh, I, um, yeah, so that's, that's it for 3d scanning for today. Um, before I go, I started with, uh, if, if you listen to this through Anchor, uh, I, I believe I asked before, but I do, um, I turned it off, but I just turned it back on. There is a, um, a sponsorship opportunity. If you see in the show notes, there's a link that you could sponsorship uh, sponsor this, this uh, podcast. Um, I'm looking to, I'm doing this directly through uh, Anchor, but I want to get back to, especially when I have guests, get back to doing the video of it as well and getting that, uh, I'm finding that the audio that I was doing through that is probably more microphone related. So I need to kind of upgrade the microphones. And if you would um, be willing to uh, put some sponsorship out there, um, you know, through the, you know, just contribute to the podcast. That'd be a big, big help. Uh, i appreciate that as I try to uh, grow this and try to do this more frequently, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, yeah, so we'll leave it at that. And like I said, We'll look, we'll look forward to Mike coming in here in the near future, talk about uh, 3D scanning. Anywhere you see it, if you see this through a post, feel, feel free to uh, comment with any questions on this topic. And, um, yeah, we'll keep it going. So until next time, um, I'm doing this at Friday. It's about 5.10 right now. So if uh, you're listening to this soon, enjoy your weekend or enjoy your day.